All right, everybody. Welcome to B.O. Boys for Thursday, September 7th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, we have two huge horror sequels opening this weekend. So we had to do it. We had to bring in. I mean, this is one of our favorite guests of all time. People love him. He is our senior horror correspondent for the B.O. Boys. He is the host of the New Flesh podcast. Give it up, everyone, for the big brain on bread. Bread is here. <laughs> Hello. It is a, a pleasure to be here, as always. So, Brett, two huge horror films opening this weekend. Let's start with the more obvious of those films. Gotta say. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 opens this weekend, as does The Nun 2. So, you're the host of The New Flesh. You are the creator of Hashtag Horror Lifestyle. Is My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 officially horror lifestyle at this point? Of course, it started as a romantic comedy, but... I would think it's morph, but you tell me. I'm going to go with yes, if only because I feel like there's a Mandela effect situation going on with that franchise. Because I think if you asked anybody, when did Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 come out? They would either say there was a Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, or they would say like a year after the other one. Mm -hmm. But it came out in 2016. And I have zero memory of it. Yeah. So to me, that's horrifying that there's a third one. I can't believe it. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. I, it, I, yeah. It really is tackling one of the true horrors of living life, which is time. And the, the passage way time, of time. Yeah. You know, uh, we saw M. Night tackle this with old. And now yeah. we have um, Nia Vidalis. Is that how you say her name? Yeah, Nia Vardalos. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, um, tackling it with this film. Now, I'll tell you what, though, guys. I saw that second one in the theater, and I remember <gasps> it vividly. Wow. Because I enjoyed it thoroughly. Wow. Really? Okay, so yeah. set the scene. Are you a, you know, Clayton, you and I haven't known each other that long. It's only been about 12 years. So in terms of friendships, you know, not, not, not that long. So he's never whipped out a Windex bit on you? He's never, no. No, never, ever. So so I this is something I didn't know about him, Brett. I did not know he is a big, my big fat Greek wedding fan. So did you love the first one? How did you find yourself at part two in, like, like Brett said, not 2003. The second one came out in 2016. So in the uh, run up to Trump becoming president. Right. My big fat Greek wedding, too, was unleashed. Yeah. Sign yeah. of the times. I actually had never seen the first one. <laughs> I had a girlfriend at the time that was a big fan of the first one, and she wanted to see the sequel, and we went and saw it at the IFC Center. So it was basically like seeing it in my living room. It was playing at the fucking IFC Center? In the smallest the this? smallest theater that you could imagine. The screen was, you know how we always give people shit for saying, I have a bigger screen at home. There are people who have bigger <laughs> screens at home yes. than this IFC screen. I always say the smallest screen there, I think, is about the size of the one I have at home. Yes. yes. I, it's I, quite I, tiny. I, I've seen Antichrist on that screen. I, oh, wow. I had I had time by myself to kill years ago. I was by the IFC Center. Saw Antichrist. You're like, what's on your smallest screen, please? Yes. <laughs> and, they yes. Said, and they said, of course, it's Antichrist. Um, and a woman next to me, I'll never forget... During the uh, uh, 
well, I'll just say it, the, the clitoral scissor scene. Uh, I had to look down and I know, I know the hashtag new, new, uh, the hashtag hard lifestyle fans listening are disgusted that I had a look. Yeah, their eyes, they went like this. Well, she, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah, this eyes open for this, the listeners uh, on the podcast. This woman next to me definitely is a new flesh fan because she just didn't miss a beat tossing popcorn into her mouth during uh, the clitoral scissor scene of Antichrist. So the same theater then, Clayton, where you saw my big fat Greek wedding to, did you and your girlfriend at the time love it? Was it a, a great experience? I think seeing it on a smaller screen mm. made it better because it is more of a TV level sort of franchise, right? I mean, I think the thing, the first one was a phenomenon, obviously. That's I missed why out on it. I am like genuinely fascinated by it playing at IFC Center because mm-hmm. I feel like it's like hearkening back to its roots. Yep. As yeah. The, the like biggest indie movie that could, this movie that no one expected to be a huge hit that became a huge hit. That literally had a CBS sitcom out by the summer, I feel like. Uh, mm. It was such a hit. And, I mean, by the time the second one comes out, it's presumably released by, like, I think Universal's uh, Focus Features put it out. So, which I guess that's still an indie arm for them. But it's so wild that... I mean, I'm sure it was playing at AMC as well. But it was that the fact that it was at IFC is very interesting to me. Well, yeah. I mean, and I, and I think this... Uh, I mean, and, and just to, like, follow up to talk about the third one is that... As much as I enjoyed the second one and then went back and watched the first one and was delighted by it thoroughly because I already knew the characters. Mm -hmm. This one seems to be getting no promotion because you would think that someone like myself who thoroughly enjoyed the second one would be very aware of this movie coming. And until we looked forward from the summer to September and this one popped up, I was like, oh, that's coming out now. I thought that it was going to be coming out later in the year. I had no clue. So obviously I don't have plans to see this at the moment, but it is very curious that this thing is getting zero promotion. It also has the dreaded one, like the worst possible embargo, which is 7 PM on Thursday is when (laughs) critics are allowed to talk about it, which is like the, which means like, uh, the first show will happen at 7 p.m. that night, and that's when the the, the floodgates will open. So yeah. that's usually a sign that they do not have confidence in it. But this is one of those cases where it doesn't matter if the movie's a stinker. It's it's my big fat Greek wedding. It's like that's a property, weirdly. Right. And right. people would have. I think you're right. If they had put marketing spend into this, no matter the quality of the movie, I think it would have opened bigger than whatever it's going to open to because i do think it has no footprint right now well the hardcores would have gone no matter what and it's just what are the hardcores here and how many hardcores are still alive if you look at the run i mean just to put some context into what what this franchise has done that first one was a total indie release i mean the opening weekend's five hundred ninety seven thousand dollars back in april of 2002 it legged out to 241 million domestic. <laughs> it I mean, is that is unfathomable. And I can't even believe that number. I'm looking at it and I still can't believe it. It's stunning. It's, you know, we talk about the something about Mary run in yeah. summer of 98, which of course is classic, but that's a movie that opened to what? Nine or $10 million. It yeah. To and it's not, it's a studio or, movie. So it's right. like, it's just so wild that very rarely does like a natural indie phenomenon happen like this. Like even I want to say Juno is a similar one, but Juno was also like, Oh, like know, Fox studio Earth, movie. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's just, there's hard to find a comp. Yeah. I think it's like 
it's like the standout example of an indie doing like crazy business. But but like well, you said, Brett, the distance between that first and second one, I am shocked. I did think that the second one would have come out in the 2000s. It came out 14 years later and it <laughs> did open to 17.8 and got did to fine. 59 yeah. million, which yeah. is fine for that level of movie. The fact that they're going back to this third one so quote unquote quickly Seven years later, they're not doing a sort of, uh, all right, let's see you every 14 or 15 years and really have a different stage of life. This one feels like a cash in, but I don't think that there's going to be any cash on the other end of it. I uh, I forgot one detail about the indie production of this, uh, that it's. I think it's a Playtone film, yep. right? I think Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson have always been on board. Yep. So, like, it's had that star power in terms of producer. I don't remember the trailer, but I wonder if their names were on it, the original trailer for the Big Fat Greek Wedding. I, I do remember, and this could be a Berenstain Bears situation, but I do remember Tom Hanks doing a lot of promotion for this movie at the time. Feels right. And mm-hmm. I do think that is a big reason why this one feels like there's zero promotion because obviously they could have bought commercials, but the actors in this promoting it probably would have been a big deal if they Stag need was- Joey Fatone yes. on Fallon. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, they need Andrea Martin going in character as her famous Greek matriarch character. On all the chat shows, on, of course, Hot Ones, you know, doing the podcast in character. Because without her promoting it, I, I, I there's, you know, the you could, they're not going to spend a lot on commercials. This would have been a movie where Hanks probably would have done some promotion. If I'm just about to have. say, is there some loophole, perhaps, for the strike situation? Because he's not in the movie. He didn't write it. Yeah. <laughs> He's so a the, producer. the producer is the producers guild striking. I'm unaware. Right. No, they're not at the moment. I mean, he could, get Hanks he, on the shows. I know he could, capacity. but I think he would. That would come off looking very scavish because we yeah, know him right. more as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know. Well, you know what? I heard this on Hollywood Handbook, and I just want to pass it along in case it hasn't been said on the show yet. Scabs are a part of healing. I'm just going to say that. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. I mean, I guess if Hanks would have went on a show and said that, you know, who it would have been interesting to see. It would change the discourse overnight. It would change the discourse for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, this movie definitely needed the actors out there. I mean, I think part of the problem with this franchise is that, and listen, she's had a great career. And if she, if Connie she, and Carla. Nia Bartolos? Nia Bartolos. I mean, if listen, if she passed away the the day after that movie, God forbid, God forbid but it got to 240 million domestic, she would have had a great career. I mean, that movie gave oh, it's her a great like, it's career like, no matter what. It feels like it's probably in the Guinness World Records book for a certain, you know, you could find the stat, but it has to be like some sort of ratio of budget to, to money made. Like right. it's got to be up there with what? Paranormal activity. Blair and, Witch. Blair Witch. It yep. feels like it might even be more than those. I'll yeah. have to crunch the numbers. Yeah. Yep. Those are probably top three for budget to return. But the thing is, Nia Vardolo, she's been in stuff. She's been on TV. She's been in other movies, had other vehicles. She did not become a movie star post my big fat Greek wedding. So she is not 
really bringing new fans to this movie. You know, it's not like this is Pretty Woman 3 with Julia Roberts, where Julia Roberts has since become a giant star. You know, like Mia Bardolas didn't really take off in these 20 years. No, the people who were there were there. For for her as her performance as the for as Tula, she's the Tula heads are coming out. Yeah, I mean, now what about here's something because I just rewatched this trailer before we got on air. So John Corbett is the co-star of this. You know, the first movie is their romance, mm-hmm, and in yes. this trailer for my Big Fat Greek Wedding three, there is pretty much no interaction between the John Corbett and Nia Vardola's characters in this movie, like. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any effort to make that relationship be a hook for this movie. It's pretty much the Andrea Martin show in the trailer. So I don't know if, if that means that they're secretly divorced in this movie or if, no, they wouldn't do that. That that does, that seems like do that to the fans before midnight situation. I Mm -hmm. don't think that's what they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. They are definitely still married in this. There's, I, I could not see a world where they would do that. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there just doesn't seem to be any romantic angle to the promotion of this movie, which the first one, of course, was a, a you know, a comedy about an ethnic family, but it was a romance. And this trailer, I mean, it's, it's like we said at the top, this feels more horror than than romance. You know, this feels more of a movie about the never ending fight against time than it does it's a movie that promises romance. One thing that's interesting about this that makes it different than the others is I believe she wrote the other two, mm-hmm. but she's directing this one. Uh, uh, and it's not her directorial debut. Wow. She directed a, a movie that you might remember from 2009, also starring her and John Corbett. It was called I Hate Valentine's Day. Huh. And I worked at a movie theater when that came out. It was a small release. It's an IFC film. Uh, you know, as you're saying, she was not a movie star. She didn't. Right breakthrough like that's the kind of stuff on a resume right um, right but i'm interested to see uh what people have to say about big fat creek wedding three i think because i missed two i just might be washing my hands of the situation until it's available uh at home interesting so clayton you won't be seeing part three in theaters you're doing in every other you see the even numbered my big fat creek wedding movies in theaters yeah, I'll be back for four. I well, mean, when you establish a cadence, you have to follow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, the thing with this film is that right now it's tracking behind such films as Book Club 2. Yikes. And Yikes. let's see. Did not open well. Did not open well. Yeah. So this is the sort of thing that I don't think is going to do much in theaters. I think it'll do very well on streaming, obviously, but we're not stream of boys, huh? Uh. But just by putting this in a theater, it is going to give it more traction and more cultural clout than it would have gotten if they would have said, we're just going to put it on a streamer. Yep. This right. is the third movie and it's coming on a streamer. That is the death of a franchise and they Mm -hmm. are hoping that they can weather this sort of like strike to still have a theatrical movie that streams and then hopefully get some, you know, interest for a fourth one if that's what they choose to do. Yeah. And this seems like this will be on Peacock since if it's what focus features that feeds up the universal. So this, this will probably be on Peacock in time for Halloween. Yeah. As, (laughs) as all good horror movies should be. Yeah. Yes. It's it's a smart move. It's tactical. It was very oh, smart. 
my fault. Actually, it is slightly ahead of Book Club 2 in pre-sale trends. So That means it's going to open between like 7 and 12. Like yep. it's not going to be good. Yeah. That's not a strong opening. Uh, and I don't think older audiences are having trouble going back to the theater. They want to go back for something really big and important and they don't It's want- not called my big fact uh, Greek and important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they they don't want the the best Marigold Hotel too. They wanted the first one. They don't. They didn't want the second book club. They wanted I, the first one. Yeah. Well, when you call it the second best exotic Marigold Hotel, you're not really selling it very well. True. True. So I do think that this is going to be uh, pretty rough for this movie at the box office, especially going up against the Nun. Hundred percent. You do not want to go up against Valak, the demon nun, at the box office. She has wiped the floor with others, and she will not hesitate to do it again. Well, I mean, let's get into it. So, the second of the two horror films this weekend is The Nun Two, and you know, a couple of weeks ago on this show, Clayton and I had Jeff Bach on from Exhibit Relations Co. We did our fall movie preview, and I was the outlier in that I was low on The Nun as a franchise. I thought this was in the decline. I thought that the first one, at least as I remembered, it was a movie that people didn't like. And so I thought everyone would jump off the the habit, get out of the habit for Nun 2. But I mean, set us straight, Brett. What is the state yeah. right now of The Nun amongst hashtag horror lifestyles? Do people love this Nun franchise? Well, I do think people like it more than I do. This was a movie I saw, you know, I think opening day in IMAX even. I remember mm-hmm. seeing The Nun. Because I had directed by Corin Hardy, this director who had done like an, a pretty small horror movie that I liked uh, called The Hallow. He's an Irish filmmaker, I believe. No, English filmmaker, I believe. Um, he made this movie I like. So, you know, when they take, when they, when they, you know, what do you call it? Like minor, take someone from the minors and put them in the majors. Yep. You always, mm-hmm. you always hope that they do a good job. Mm-hmm. And the nun was definitely very disappointing, despite having like the atmosphere that you want from a movie like that. Like it looked really nice and it looked the part, but the movie was just so boring and not scary yes. that I literally couldn't tell you a thing about it. I haven't seen it since September seventh, twenty eighteen. Exactly what? How many years is that? Five. Five years, years ago. ago, and Clayton and God. I saw that in the theater too. We we didn't think we did. We had a jogger memories, but then we realized we had. That's seen. perfect. Yeah, That's yeah. Perfect. And the, the thing that reminded us is Clayton asked, "Is that the movie where they ring a bell?" And I was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah." They ring a bell well, you, in the grave. There's such cool ideas in that movie, like mm-hmm. the idea that like they're all praying in 24 hour shifts mm. because they have to you know stop the evil or whatever there's such cool imagery and ideas but the whole thing just doesn't come together and i've actually heard some rumblings i don't know how how true they are i haven't seen the nun yet i have to i actually skipped the there, there was a quadruple press screening tonight a rare quadruple press what? screening of is all at the same time it was the nun two it was my big fat greek wedding three it was a haunting in venice and there's also a secret screening in New York that I did not get invited to, but Whoa. I know about of the, the Martin Scorsese movie because tied to the Venice premiere. What? Wow. So, and they yeah. show all four of those movies in the same auditorium on four. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all, no, actually. It's very, it's just scattered all over the place. Those, those are all Got four it. different companies that don't talk to each other. Got it. So, like, it's actually a huge pain in the ass for all the critics who need to cover all those things. Uh, 
I, of course, nobly said no to all of them so I could come and be here. That's right. That's B.O. Boys podcast. Uh, I also like go into the movies, you know, boots on the ground in my mm. film critic fatigues. Yep. Going yes. to the regular showings. Uh, people look at you and, you know, you get that look and the little salute. It's really nice. Right. It's like yeah. when a, when a, you're among when the a, civilians. Yes. But, but it's also like when a Times critic goes into a restaurant or like someone from the who gives out the Michelin stars when they go into mm. a restaurant, people know they know Oh, hey, that's Brett is here. Brett from the new flesh is here. Let's make sure the popcorn kernels are fully popped. Yeah, I got the, my pens clicking. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got my, yeah. I got my little notepad, very obnoxiously taking notes during a public screening of a film. That'll be me tomorrow at the nun. So I could talk about it today with you guys. Um, nice. Ha- happy to be here. Uh, so in terms of box office, well, we all know the elephant, let's get, let's get, you know, the elephant out of the room here. The nun is the highest grossing worldwide of the conjuring franchise of which this is a part. It's the biggest opening weekend ever of the whole conjuring universe. 53 million, 53 million biggest opening 60 or 363, uh, worldwide. 117 domestic which the only one that beats that domestic is conjuring original flavor yep uh so i do think there's interest if only because like the last conjuring movie was came out in june 2021 it was the con Mm -hmm. the devil made me do it it came out the same day on hbo max it didn't have the same luster as like the previous franchise entries. And I feel like it didn't open nearly as well either, but that's for you know a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really fault that movie's box office. You got to, all those movies are like experiment asterisks yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And it's still made $200 million worldwide actually. Yeah. So it's like totally fine. Um, but I don't, th- I would say as a fan of horror, like I was definitely burned by the nun, but I said this on the podcast before the thing about horror fans is, they love to give things another chance. Like mm. we're all hoping that the nun two is awesome. And what I was trying to say at some point, but I got, I started rambling was I've heard boots on the ground from a couple people who went to the press screening in other cities last night, that the nun two is much better than the first. Nun. Okay. Wow. And there's a few horror fans who said, yes, this is what I want out of this. So I'm actually, this happens to me all the time where I get falsely excited. It's like Lucy kicking the football. Uh, but I am again, now I'm kind of excited for The Nun, a movie I had no expectations for because of the low expectations I had leaving The Nun in 2018. Uh, now I'm kind of like, I'm not just going to tick the box of horror. I'm going in hope that this is like the Nun horror movie, I hope. Okay. To be, you know? So, you know, Scott Mendelson, of course, box office legend, box, box office icon, he coined yes. the famous Tomb Raider trap, which is... A bad first movie that makes a ton of money, but people don't like it. And then they follow up with a well-made sequel that The Cradle of Life. Right. Exactly. Cradle of Life, Tomb Raider 2, great movie, or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Michael Bay series. Out of the the Shadows. Out of Shadows, excellent, but a bomb because the first one, which was a hit, was very bad. Which I famously learned on this podcast was a live-action movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Historic moment on the B.O. Boys. But... (laughs) Is that a potential situation with none too, even if it is good? Or like you said, Brett, do horror fans not fall into the Tomb Raider trap because they'll go see a sequel to a movie they didn't like because they're just more giving? I think if there was a different nun horror movie that wasn't connected with the nun, it would also do fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think poor fans tend to show up. There's this, 
I hate to, as a white man, like talk about like, I mean, demographic trends in movies that are like, it just feels crass to me in a weird mm-hmm. way. But like, there's all this reporting uh, around the time of the nun, and you can find it around the, around you know other releases. Like, there was a whole Paranormal Activity movie mm-hmm. that they were very crudely talking about. We made this because the box office says Latinos are the biggest people, the biggest portion of our audience. So we're right. going to make the a Mark Paranormal ones. Activity movie. Yeah, the marked ones with I think had some Spanish language in the movie and Mm -hmm. uh, Latin characters and stuff like that. So the nun, the box office story around the nun in 2018, I remember was a lot of headlines about the movie getting a huge boost from Latino audiences. And I think if you look it up opening weekend, 36% was Latino. And that's like up, up from 17% for the conjuring and 26% for last year's Annabelle creation. And then you could actually find your boy, Jeff Bach in this article in 2018 talking about you know in general latinos are a big part of the horror box office but especially for films like the nun that take a heavy religious skew that catholic aspect of mexican culture likely played a factor so and like you can there's you know quotes from the uh cco and co-president of new line and warner brothers talking about you know we saw that the movies were overperforming with uh hispanic audiences so they did test screenings in san antonio instead of los angeles and like tooled the movie that way and you'll remember they did a whole movie called the curse of la llorona yes which is another one of those so like their money is there right. i feel like so i feel like the nun because of all those factors combined i feel like it's going to be fine like it's not going to open to 53 like the first one did um and it's very rare for a sequel to outperform the, the original it right, happens right. but it's very rare like the spider-man across the spider-verse thing was exciting because it was so rare um and the nun 2 not gonna do 53 but it could do uh, you know low end 35 high end 40s like yeah something like that is that the tracking yeah it's tracking between that like 30 33 to like 42 and now that's the thing pat is like when you're saying this is gonna be uh, a failure or, or you're low on it. Right, right. I mean, I don't think any of us expected this to reach the heights of what the original Nun did. Right. For the reasons you stated, obviously, the first movie was not liked. But, you know, Brett saying that horror, horror fans, the horror hounds, the goreheads are a little bit more hopeful. We're forgiving and hopeful, yes. Yeah, than general audiences tend to be. Mm-hmm. I think the other factor we're not talking about here is that 2018 is when the Nun came uh, came out. That was the height of the fanaticism over anything shared universe. Anything that was a cinematic universe Mm -hmm. was the thing. 2018 was Marvel, full steam ahead, heading towards Endgame. This Conjuring universe being a thing that was, I got to see the next installment of the Conjuring universe. That was a thing that people were very invested in. That is not the case now. Shared universes, cinematic universes, they're out. out, They feel like cash-ins. And you're seeing with Marvel, they don't reap rewards long-term. So we are seeing a little bit of the puttering out of cinematic universes. And I think the nun could suffer from that. But then also Latino, Hispanic audiences, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast because they go see movies, not just horror movies. They go see all the movies. So yeah. they also do a lot of walk-up business. So the tracking is not necessarily always here. Accurate, yeah. accurate that, with these sorts of movies because yeah. they'll say, hey, 
when we're done doing this other thing, let's head to the movies and see what's playing. Oh, the Nun 2's playing? All right. That would help explain why the tracking's always so fucking off on horror movies. Yeah. It really would. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah walk-up business uh, definitely is to account for all those things. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Stango? So, so I mean, I think a big question heading into this weekend, because it's the first Nun sequel, and this is the movie that's going to kind of determine... Is the nun herself going to become a horror icon, you know, or is she like the demon nun? Yes. Is she is she is she an icon or is she a one and done nun? You know, will she listen? We're not saying next Freddy, all that. I mean, that would be ridiculous. But is she going to be able to get into that tier where we're seeing a nun four, nun five someday diminishing returns? But this second one's going to determine whether this is a sequel to a successful movie or this is a full-on side franchise. I mean, do 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 you think she's got it? You know, that first movie, none of us really liked it, but she's got a nice, she's got a ugly, nice presence. scary face. Yeah, I do like Valak, the demon nun, and I love that the nun actress, Bonnie Ahrens, in the midst of all this strike stuff, actually sued <laughs> Warner Brothers a new line because they say she didn't make all the money she was supposed to off of her likeness from this movie. Because right. she actually, I feel like if you look at the, the numbers from the lawsuit, the, the amount of money she made to be the star of this movie, it was like basically, I feel like, SAG minimum. It was like she did not make it barely any money because wow. she's, not a, she's not a name actress. But she is, she's the face of this fucking franchise. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's so the face I of hope the franchise. She, I hope she gets her money, first of all. Is that uh, lawsuit, can I just throw this out there? That lawsuit yeah. to me, you know, she's SAG, she's on strike like Clayton. She's, you know, on strike with SAG. But she's and probably she, in good standing, I assume. Yeah, Clayton's behind on his 71, dude. Five, 7100, uh, 70, sorry, I'm going to say that. You can cut this part out, me rambling. If raw you, if feed. You do it's a raw it. feed, so fuck oh, it, we're fuck. doing it live. All right, we're doing yeah. it live. Uh, paid the paltry sum of $71,500. Wow. Work in the terrible. Night. That's yeah. That's so low. Now, she can't promote the film, but I feel like this lawsuit is kind of good sneaky promotion because it just gets the nun out there, gets her name out there. It's like if you can't go on a talk show to promote your movie, maybe sue the studio right before opening weekend, get some articles about the movie out there. I hope other actors are listening to the show. I know they are, actually. Of course. Um, they all listen. And of course. I hope they take notes because that is a great idea. Everyone should be suing mm -hmm. in, in lieu of doing press right now. I exactly. think it's a really smart idea. $71,000. And she said she was due to have a $175,000 bonus tied to the box office on top of a share of the profits from merchandise with her character. And she never saw any of that shit. So wow. she is suing. And yet she still appears. She, she was game as fuck to, to do the Nun 2. I hope she got a better deal for the Nun 2. But the suit dropping right before the movie comes out makes it, makes it sound like maybe maybe not. Yeah. yeah, she probably didn't get it. But yeah, I mean, listen, it could be a work. It could be a, hey, let's all, why don't you sue us? We'll get in, we'll get in all the trades. We'll get some articles there and then we'll, we'll settle this afterwards after the movie. Oh, so comes this out. is okay, Fabe. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking is a possibility. She may be suing them because she deserves more than 71,000. That's for sure. But maybe they work this out ahead of time and they're like, yeah, just, just sue us. You can't go on Johnny. You can't go yeah. on Dave this week. So just sue us. If it's not that, 
I just think it's a really good example of how, you know, a lot of people will look at the strike and be like, oh, these fucking actors making all this money. Why do I care? They shouldn't be striking. They're fine. It's like, no, this lady's literally on the poster for this movie in the trailer. She's the movie's called The Nun. Yep. She's the nun. Yes, she's not an A-list actress, but you'd think she would be able to like, you know, buy a house with that money or something. And like yes. she it's it's crazy that it's so low. so well, I I would yeah. bet you that the doll in Annabelle got paid more than the <laughs> nun did for yeah. their appearance in the films. And that's just not right. Mm-hmm. It isn't right. Yeah, yeah, you should for sure be able to buy a Malibu beach house if it, you land the role of the nun in the nun. I mean, that I'm movie s- opened to fifty-four million dollars. This this actress deserves a house for sure. And, and I'm seeing that Brahms, my boy Brahms, the boy, <laughs> the titular yeah. boy, actually got boy paid more than Annabelle, and that's just pure sexism because he's mm. just not the bigger draw at the box no. office, but he is a man, so I guess. Here we go. Yeah. A lot of systemic issues in Hollywood, people. The Conjuring universe really brings brings sexism in, in the uh, workplace home more than any other franchise. I mean, looking well, I, at Brahms this, is technically not in the Conjuring universe, he's just not. to You're clarify, right. to the goreheads, because we would Thank get you. They were going to. Yeah. yeah. They would they jump would. down your throat for sure. I mean, looking at this Conjuring universe franchise, you actually do see an uptick in all the franchises and the side franchises from the first movie's opening weekend to the second, or about the same. Annabelle opens at 37. Annabelle Creation opened three years later, 35. Annabelle Creation, so. just want to say, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my favorites of this franchise, for sure. Underrated. So, so not that, a big drop off whole- of the AR. That's uh, the horror fans giving another chance. Mm, that's, that's exactly what... That's exactly fucking right. Because I hated Annabelle. Yeah. I hated Annabelle. Thought it was terrible. Couldn't believe that the movie with the doll at the center, but the doll really isn't like, you know, doing anything, like moving or like being a part of the action. It was like a haunted others thing, if, if you remember. It was really dumb. Uh, but the creation, yeah, gave it a second chance. The same amount of people showed up <laughs> opening weekend. <laughs> yeah, because I think horror fans, like you were saying, they know a good concept when they see it, and they want someone to succeed with that concept. They're yeah. not going to just throw that concept off, with, you know, like a, a baby in the bathwater. Mm, They're yeah. going to say, it's a possessed doll. Let's run this back and see what can happen. And it was good. Uh, Ouija, I think, is a similar uh, oh, situation, yeah. right? The first Ouija movie was terrible. And then the second Ouija movie, people really, really liked. Yeah, Mike mm-hmm. Flanagan made like a real horror movie out of it. Uh, and it's great. Definitely check out Ouija Origin of Evil if you haven't seen it. Yeah. So when you look at these Conjuring movies, the second movies in the franchises do a, almost as well at, on opening weekend as the first ones did. But The Curse of La Lorna, which is the person who directed that film, is directing Nun 2. And also directed Devil Made Me Do It, yes. And directed Devil Made Me Do It. That opened in April 2019, opens only $26 And that is a little bit of a dividing line between the heyday of the Conjuring films, you know, peaked with the Nun and what came afterwards. Do you remember the ten how tenuous the mm-hmm. connection to the Conjuring mm-hmm. universe that movie was? Like they didn't even I don't think it, it was a thought of to be part of it until like the day it came out and they were like, "Oh, by the way, we threw a scene in that mentioned something from the Conjuring." And then they did have a poster that said like The Conjuring or something. Mm-hmm. It, it was very last minute kind of fake fake out 
sort of in name only a Conjuring Universe movie. Like a Cloverfield Paradox situation. Yeah, it's definitely like, well, this would help our numbers if we threw this in there. So let's pretend it's a part of this. But it really, I feel like, was conceived as something that was not a part of the universe. Yeah, but it that's ended up being part of one. I don't really, uh, I'm glad you covered that because I remembered that. And that's why I, I don't think we can really look at that as a Conjuring universe. It's weird. I wouldn't movie. either. Yeah. So unless we start seeing a like the nun open to 20 or, you know, we need to have more data than that one to say that the yeah. Conjuring universe is really done or waning. Yeah, mm. it's because that 2021 stat is so asterisk because of COVID and because of HBO Max thing. Yeah. So, yeah, this is definitely an interesting test. I'm pretty sure the Conjuring 4 is happening, right? So, uh I feel like they already have that main, you know, I mean, clearly the last one was a disappointment and it made 200 million worldwide. So right, right. they will still, there's still, there's still stuff in that well, but I guess this will be definitely a point where we find out if they're going to be worried about conjuring for. Yeah. I mean, with, we mentioned earlier that the Hispanic Latin audiences, uh, Latino audiences come out big for these movies and came out big for the first none. Something that I'm surprised they didn't do is, at least I could tell from the trailer, it's not like they really added any value in the cast here by casting a popular uh, Hispanic uh, Latino actor in it. It's still Mira's sister is still the lead. I think Storm Reed was added, who's not Latino, I don't think, but she's like definitely like a younger Gen Z play, I feel like. Okay. Uh, who, like, I know her from a bunch of indie movies, but I feel like maybe there's like a tv context that younger people know her in i'm not exactly sure mm -hmm. um but she's definitely an addition to the cast but yeah it does seem like it's still just the farmiga show yes uh storm reed is in euphoria okay. and the last time i said an actress was in euphoria i was wrong but this time i'm pretty sure i'm right i think yes. she's her sister yeah i think she's a, a rue's sister uh, okay. Little sister. Yeah. On yes. Show. And she's the lead in Missing, which was yes. the sort of sequel yeah. to Searching. Searching. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Storm Reed in None 2 could be a value add. That's for sure. The trailer doesn't really focus on her. It, it focuses on Vera Farmiga's sister and on the nun herself. But you're right. This this could be a star who gets him younger more diverse audience in the in the in the church there you really have to search that to know that she's in it though you're right like yes. i'm not there's not a lot of production stills or trailer images i'm seeing because i haven't watched the trailer because i yeah. do not watch trailers or try not to um so yeah you're right they're not really front loading that storm reed is in this but it i thought it was cool that she's in it and it's also written by akella cooper or at least a draft of it was because there's a few names on it but akella cooper you may know as the writer of malignant which i love very much oh nice and the writer oh. of megan so okay. like it's a hot screenwriter which that's another reason why i'm like this is going to be better than the first one actually. wow that yeah. you know it, i guess that doesn't fit tone wise but you it doesn't feel like it does right yeah but but there would have been i think it would have been worth getting in from the writer of megan ahead of the nun and then in that trailer it's a totally different tone and and you don't want the nun to turn campy this early into the franchise like the nun will become campy at some point but yeah you, you try not to do it in the second one yeah right now it's got that hammer horror uh atmospheric right yeah. aesthetic right 
And right. by number five, she'll be making rosary puns. She'll be making puns about calling everybody bitch. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, that may happen. Now, to go back, Pat, to your question, because we have, you know, our horror correspondent here. Does the nun have what it takes to be a franchise, as opposed to, you know, there's a few, you know, Annabelle might get another movie, right? We don't know for sure. Uh, is she, is there one in the planning stages for Annabelle at this point? No, the only planning stage thing I know about is conjuring Four, which I haven't heard an update on in like a year. So it very well may be dead also, Mm -hmm. but no, there was at one point talk of something called the crooked man who I believe is in the conjuring Two, And like, there's like a scene where they do like the classic justice league flash drive scene where they're like, here's a few characters you might see in the future. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like the yeah, the Crooked Man was one, and they promised that was a James Wan produced thing that was happening for a while that yeah. fell off the calendar. But yeah, there's no Annabelle on the calendar. There's only The Nun 2, Conjuring 4. And, you know, if this opens huge, though, we're getting something. Maybe The Crooked yeah. Man's back on the table. Right. So, right. yeah, because you, and then you see some other non Conjuring universe sort of like Sinister. Sinister had two movies. We thought Bagul yeah. would be making moves and doing stuff, but yeah. we only got two Bagul movies. So, you know, you can Shannon Sossaman's big busy. She can't yes. keep doing them. She can't. Yeah, she can't she's come back to number three with war paint or whatever. Oh, what what a great pool. She's no longer in war paint, but her sister is. But yeah, oh, well, she started cool. that band. Yeah, it's so cool. It's just like blew my mind when I I think I was at a live show for war paint and discovered that I was like, is that Shannon Sossaman? <laughs> like, yeah, it was several, her several years ago. Yeah. Just like her. So so anyway, we are all on the the um, opinion that this is the one that's going to make or break it. So two yeah. hits, then there's a three. I mean, this seems like obvious, but this thing, it, it, there's not like, oh, we're going to do three, four, no matter what. This is going to be the one that either makes the nun a Bagul or a Freddy. Right, right. I mean, we've had in the last year, I would say one clear entry into being a new horror you know maybe not icon but we talked a year ago about this character can now sit at the table with freddie with jason you know they're talking about arthur clown arthur clown yeah so you know arthur clown walks into that dining room freddie kicks up kicks out an empty chair for him to take a seat the nun is not in that room yet the nun walks in now they all i mean they tell her to go fuck herself Let's, let's be honest yeah and and the nun could get herself into that conversation, but she's got to open to, I think, 40 million yeah. plus yes. to, to be in you that know, conversation. You mentioning that the sequels have all like done the same. I wouldn't, you know, I said it before. I don't think it's going to do as well. But like, it also wouldn't surprise me if it yeah. just did do 50. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, people, of course, they love the nun. Yeah. Yeah. Is there is there any uh, before we get into uh, uh our predictions for the weekend. Is there any crossover or cannibalization that could happen this weekend with the none two big fat Greek three audience, you know, like our Andrea Martin fans, or is there anyone who's like, I don't know if I want to be scared this weekend by Andrea Martin or by the nun. And, and they well, have to make that hard decision. I think Barbenheimer trained everyone to just see everything like this as like a fun opportunity. Mm. So you're going to get my big fat Greek nun going uh, on Twitter. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because post Barbenheimer, 
Saw Patrol was the one that, you know, studios tried to start. But my Big Fat Greek and Nun 2, that is a much more fun one that I have not even thought of until you mentioned it. No one tried to get that started. And that, to me, feels like a lost art. It really just goes to show that people did not know my Big Fat Greek wedding. That is what I was going to say. Ding, ding, ding. It's a lack of awareness of that movie. And again, Mandela effect of people either thinking the sequel was... 20 years ago or doesn't exist it's yeah. an issue it's an issue now here's a question because we we're talking crossover now brett how familiar are you with the equalizer films oh seen them all okay now that character in that film all three of them especially the first one and i heard in the third one that he basically is a slasher 100 hero because yes. the way he murders his victims is very akin to how a slasher would. Now, is there any sort of crossover there? Could Robert McCall, the character from The Equalizer, could he be cannibalizing some of the horror fans? Because he does some crazy. That first one at the end in the in Buddy. the uh, warehouse store is yeah, the, the, insanely the slasher-esque. Hurricane slasher film. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And the third one, I would say... I don't know if I guess it's I can't say it's the most violent just because it does. It has like two or three scenes that are really violent. And then the movie's kind of more contemplative than the other ones. Yeah. But it it has some of the most inventive, gratuitous, disgusting, totally horror movie violence that I've ever seen in a movie. It is yeah. like gun through a man's face type of violence. It is wild. Uh, wow. So you, that's an interesting point. And I do think Equalizer is going to hold pretty well. I mean, I was. Again, uh, you guys talk about Mr. Consistency at the box office this last weekend because uh, oh, yeah. Equalizer, you know, all those movies made the exact same amount opening weekend, which is yeah, so interesting. Much. And it's all just Denzel. Like, that's 100% what that is. That is raw movie star power. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And yeah, I think it'll hold. I, I don't have the numbers. I have, I have to look up what the other ones did, but I feel like it'll hold fine. I, I don't think it will. I don't know. I guess if, if the nun opens to less than 30, I would say that that was an, a factor, but I don't mm -hmm. think it will be. The mm -hmm. thing with Equalizer its second weekend is this is football season. Kickoff mm. of football season. That is yeah, going to hurt night. Equalizer 3 more than it's going to hurt the nun because I feel like, yes, young people watch football, but also young people watch football, go to movies, go yeah. to raves. Uh, you know, go to football, like high school football games. They do a thousand things on a weekend where right. an adult man or an adult woman does maybe five things and yeah. then is exhausted by it. Right. A young person who wants to see the nun, they might be a football fan, but they'll watch the football game on their phone while they're on their Razor scooter on their way to the movie theater. But an older equalizer viewer yeah is going to want to watch the football game on their big screen tv on their lazy boy they're not going to want to watch the football game on their phone on the way to the theater i like yeah. to think sony knows this though and mm -hmm. they're gonna program the fuck out of the super bowl or super bowl out of the opening day football broadcast yep. with equalizer tv spots get those get those dads watching to to make plans for after the game, maybe put a QR code on screen yes. and have them buy tickets. Tell them it's like the 21st century Uncle Tom's cabin and get right. them in there. Have have I guess Denzel can't do it, but you have like a Denzel lookalike 
sure sort of yeah. like come on the field and cut a ref's throat you know and of course yeah it's fake, fake knife it's fake CGI. blood yeah. cgi but cut yeah. a ref's throat during the coin toss and you shoot it far enough away so you say oh there's denzel washington uh there's the equalizer. Yeah. you don't say denzel's name you just and then say, they have him sit at a table and like fold a napkin meticulously because yeah. he has ocd so you're like oh it's the equalizer denzel. so he he really is a horror villain i mean like den the equalizer should a horror stay, hero a horror, He's a horror hero. hero yeah, yeah. He, that's he, the subversion yeah but he should sit at that table with freddie jason art the clown like the equalizer would be welcome at that table welcome to the table bitch that's what freddie yeah. krueger would say yeah, to, to, um, to Robert McCall, the the nicest and, and thing Chucky, he could ever Chucky, say, and Chucky would be in the high chair, of course. Yeah, Chucky's he wouldn't be happy about it. Yeah, no, he wouldn't be. He'd be complaining about it. But yeah. um, I don't know. Robert McCall would probably be uh, against those horror icons. That would be an interesting meeting if he walked into a room like yeah. that. They might all get equalized. I'm not gonna lie. It's possible. Yeah. Um, well, would they before, welcome Andrea Martin's character from my big fat Greek wedding into there? She would just start squirting the Windex and then they would they would cut her up something fierce. Probably. Yeah, I don't know if that's what the 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 Andrea Martin heads want to see, but I'm mm-hmm. I, I would I would see it. I'd be interested. Yeah, I think that's a good crossover. Now, Brett, quickly, before we do our top fives, are we going to do a plow? Well, no, because we do the plow. I know. We do the I'm plow just after. kidding. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited. You're getting ahead. But um, speaking of getting ahead, we've got this Taylor Swift movie coming out in October. Oh, yeah. And we've got the Exorcist movie moving. Yeah. Away from Exorcist. Now, what is your take on this? We think it was a mistake. Well, we think it was a big mistake. I but don't prove disagree- us wrong. I don't disagree on principle. Like, I think it was a mistake to not just like seize on that demand and be like, let's do it. Taylor's, you know, extra swift. Let's get, let's put money behind that and make it a Barbenheimer situation. I feel like everyone wants to do that nowadays. But at the same time, I think maybe it was a smart idea uh, because then now they can own that full week ahead of taylor swift dominating but i mean how dominant can it be i mean yes she's going to sell out whatever scroll whatever screens they allot her i think will sell out but movie theaters have you know 18 screens so i think there's plenty of room for exorcist it doesn't feel like they're cannibalizing each other uh so i think it was a smart play i i think i endorsed the move if only because it's a generating free headlines move they got every publication on earth to write about the exorcist getting moved because of taylor swift everyone loves a headline like that where you're like you know this is summer of taylor taylor is so powerful she can move a movie so everybody wrote that up everyone knows now there's like in there's so much more awareness around not only the exorcist existing uh and and like i think people now know it exists and when it comes out which they probably didn't a week ago so i think it's all a net positive for the exorcist that okay taylor swift took the date That's an interesting take. You don't think there's any level of the exorcist is scared. The exorcist is running in fear. The exorcist (laughs) is supposed to instill fear. It Mm. does not run in fear. I feel like it makes exorcist as a movie look like a wimp. That's my take. Now, will the general public (laughs) feel that way? Probably not. But there could be a few people who say, 
if you're so confident in your movie, take on Taylor Swift. You're going to lose the alphas. You're going to lose some alphas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, like, exactly. That's why I'm jumping off the boat. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting. I, I get why they did it in the sense that they want to open up number one. You know, they they yes. Oppenheimer was able to have an incredible run and overperform and all that, but it didn't get the credit or the ability to market itself as a the number one movie in America, which is for whatever that is worth, it's worth something to studios. And it seems like they just were determined to have the Exorcist Believer movie has to open up number one, which wouldn't have happened if they kept it on October 13th. Are, do you know, I haven't even looked at the listings, but like, is it, it's not just like a one night event. It's like the movie's playing and it has like a week of dates. Oh, Taylor day. Swift oh, it, it, is a full on movie weekends. run. Yeah. Yeah. It's Got a movie it. run. So it is playing on. So it will be number one in your prediction. Oh, it's going to make over a hundred million domestic opening weekend, like almost guaranteed. It, oh, it, this is going to be gigantic. Is yeah. there a precedent? This... What's the precedent for something like this? Um, um, in terms of for concert, concert films, nothing. nothing. Like there isn't because yeah, like it's... they get they usually you know there's like the Justin Bieber Never Say Never or whatever. There's like examples of them, but they don't. Why did why does this feel so radically different? Because she did it herself. She's releasing it herself. Well, yeah, that whole strategy with like going straight to AMC and then cutting a deal with other studios to pay AMC is really nuts. Or other theaters. Yeah. Rabid fan base for somebody at the height of their popularity. And the concert tickets are impossible to get. You're right. Yeah. Hyper expensive if you don't somehow get them. The demand for this tour is unprecedented. It's probably the closest thing, and our, uh, you know, Kirk Minahan said this on his show was Michael Jackson during his thriller hype. Oh, sure. I was going to say, it's like if Beatlemania could have been streamed to the theater, like it would have been that yeah. level of crazy. Yeah. And and that's the thing is, uh, you know, it, I'm a Taylor Swift fan, Brett. You might not be, but uh, nothing like, against her. Yeah, but the thing is, is that this is really the height of her powers, and this is just all coalescing in a perfect storm because you're. You're losing Dune 2. It's moving. There's IMAXs available. Oh you have God. all these yeah. young women who came back to theaters because of Barbie and all and older women. And now you've got Taylor Swift with the hottest ticket in all of the land coming to theaters. It's just an unprecedented storm. And that's why I understand why, you know, the uh, uh, Exorcist movie moved. But I would rather be at the crest of that wave, the top of that wave, than be on the beach watching this thing coming at me. That's what I'm I, saying. I totally get it. I just think they can have it both ways. Like the movie's still out on the 13th with Taylor. People can still do Taylor uh, extra swift. I hope they still have fun with that idea, even though they moved the movie a week in advance. But I do think it was more a crude marketing play of let's just do this and then generate press. You know, how how press. upset. And, and listen, Brett, we'd love to have you on when that movie opens up closer to that yeah. weekend. But how upset must, and this is what universal, right? How upset must they be that not only do they have to move, they're giving up the Friday, the 13th date. That is, that's what's smart. Non horror movie. Yeah. That hurts. As someone who was born on Friday, the 13th, Friday, wow. September 13th. Wow. Oh, happy yeah. early birthday. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's very soon. 
Oh, this well, this is our early birthday present to you. Is you're going to get to pick Ooh. whether you want to go first, second, or third in giving your weekend predictions for this box office weekend. That is our present to you. Also, okay. yes, always get to do that, but consider it a birthday <laughs> present. Uh, I want to be a boy sandwich. I want to be in the middle. Wow. Never, ever been chosen to go in the middle. <laughs> that is incredible. I mean, that is it. You want to be the middle of the human centipede. And that shows yeah. you are a true uh, hashtag horror lifestyle liver. Yeah. I'm a want to be a boy. All right. So, Clayton, would you like to then go first, be the front of this uh, prediction, Human Centipede? I'd love to. So, number one, I think Slam Doink, the Nun 2. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go a little high on this one because of the walk-up business. I'm going to say this thing makes 38. Okay. okay. 38 opening. Number two, I think Equalizer is number two. I think it's probably going to make around 14 or so. So a little mm-hmm. over 50% for its drop. Number three, I'm going to go Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, but I'm going to say it only makes like $7 million. Wow. Okay. Under that, I'm going to say Barbie still holding strong. Hey, Barbie. Let's go party. (laughs) And then underneath that, I'm going to go with Oppenheimer just because I want a little reunion between the two. It's been a while since they've been next to each other. So I want to see them touching. So that is my top five. Great top five. So birthday boy to be Brett. Can you give us your top five predictions for this weekend? I'm going to go with The Nun 2 is at number one. And just based on our conversation and all the research we did while we were talking, I'm 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 like hotter on The Nun than ever. I think Nun is going to open to $42 million mm-hmm. at the box office at number one. If Equalizer 3 can open to 34, I feel like The Nun can do that. Uh, so number two would then be The Equalizer 3 with a respectable like 18 million dollars okay and then number three i think i'm gonna go with barbie uh with god is that a stupid thing to say i think barbie's gonna do seven and i think greek fat greek wedding is gonna be right under that at like six Okay. And then I think Oppenheimer is going to be in the f- in fifth place with, you know, something like four and a half or something. Um, that is not a silly thing at all, Brett, because I am thinking the exact same thing and we'll Brilliant. get to it. I, I think I think my big fat Greek is going to bomb, but we'll start with the nun. And I've been convinced, especially when we look at how great these holds are in the Conjuring franchise from the first movie to the second movie. So I think the nun's going to do 40. I mean, a couple of weeks you, ago, I thought this was going to bomb and I'm feeling it. You're right. You're are right. Are you seeing the like press or anything or marketing? Like, I feel like maybe I'm missing a lot of TV spots or something because I'm just not watching TV because I feel like that, that you know, that's a huge factor here. And I just don't know. I'm kind of flying well, blind. The nun? Yeah. Um, for me, I watch a lot of YouTube on okay. my television and I get fed nun trailers. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I get a lot of interstitial sort of nun trailers scaring okay. the bejesus out of me when I'm just trying to watch my video essays 
at night in bed. Mm-hmm. As yeah, a little does. glimpse into my life. And, yeah. and I think that's probably a pretty good comp to what they're doing on television. I, I, I'm sure there are a lot All of right. none. Now the thing we didn't get, and you know, we didn't get to this as far as marketing, they didn't put any nuns as far as I know behind home plate at baseball games, the way they did smilers when smile came out and probably harder to get a, uh, uh, an out of work actor into a baseball stadium in a full nun garb. No, I think they should reach out to real nunneries and get mm-hmm. nuns in on this. Oh, that's great. So they, because you can't throw them out cause they just show their ID. Uh, I'm an actual nun and I want to yeah. sit on home plate. Yeah. And you get to sit anywhere you want in the stadium. Yeah. Yes. 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 You, you could, if you're a nun going to a baseball game, you could tell someone to get up from their seat. Yeah. And you sit there. Yeah. It's like squatters rights, but for nuns. Yeah. Warner brothers. If, if Warner brothers had done that gimmick and got some nuns behind home plate this past weekend, this movie opens to 55. But now, you know, right. what's, very interesting, and not to interrupt your top five, Pat, but I feel like it's worth it, is that I was on a long walk yesterday, as I want to okay. do, and I was down by the – I'm not going to say where I was, but I was by a, 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 a body of water in New York City. Okay. And I saw two nuns, not in scary makeup, but just in the full garb, mm-hmm. cycling by me. And I don't think I've seen a nun in full getup in a very long time. So I don't right. know if they were coming from a viral event, if that that was the viral event to remind you that nuns exist. Yeah, I mean, as a they Catholic just set school, nuns on bikes all over the city. Because you don't even have to set them up as scary. You just have to remind people that nuns are a thing and right. that they will send shivers down your spine, even if they're not evil nuns. Because right. like you were mentioning, Brett, like I, you know, I'm a Catholic school guy. I remember nuns being... Uh, a a a scary form of authority in my school so just seeing them and they were young nuns but they felt to me still like they had authority over me and that sent a shiver down my spine so that could have been promotion right right just young nuns in trouble going around the city i think Um, it's really smart that sony is re-releasing saving silverman a week in advance of the nun to let people know you know there's a big nun subplot of that movie uh, yeah. And I think it will, just like you're saying, just like jog the memory of, oh, my God, nuns and yeah. people thinking about it. And then like the nun two will drop and then they're ready for it. Yeah. And Jason Biggs will become a star no matter what. Like they, they we will still make this happen. Yes, I think so. So, yeah, I'm I'm fully I'm I'm back in the habit with this nun. I think the nun gets to 40 is number one. Equalizer number two, and yes, yeah, 17, 18 million feels right. It'll it'll be a 50, low 50s percent drop there. And I'm Barbie number three. I mean, I think it made 10 million last weekend on a 32% drop. If it does similar, that's like a $7 million weekend for Barbie, 7.5. I, I don't think there's any way my Big Fat Creek wedding gets to 7.5. I think this is a movie that could possibly cry macho. Clayton. Oh, you know, so I think saying this is like in the four. I think so. I think this is a movie that's number four. We could have Oppenheimer four and my big fat Greek wedding five. And I'm just going to oh. go that way because I, I, I just have no, no reason to believe. I believe in the nun, but I do not believe in Andrea Martin with this Windex spray bottle. I, I think that is, she's number five. I think this is number five. 
You know, wow. uh, so for all the new listeners, because we have a bunch of new listeners, a cry macho means it makes around four, yeah. four, four point four, which is what cry macho made in the theaters. Wow. You're saying this thing could cry macho. That is yeah. devastating for Nia Vidalis. Yeah. Yeah. I think it cries macho. Um, and then, yeah, nothing else of note. I mean, Gran Turismo is dropping like a stone. Blue Beetle's holding okay. All oh, that, can but... we talk about one thing that I'm? You may have talked about this on a past episode, but I think it's so funny. Go for the, it. The the front loading of Gran Turismo on that Friday would yeah. a hilarious thing. Anyway, did you see how that led to it having an eighty two percent drop Friday to Friday? <laughs> you, you know <laughs> yeah. what? You 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 made your bed and now you got to sleep in it. Blue yeah, hundred percent. Or Gran Turismo, I mean, yeah, yeah Gran, Gran Turismo. Turismo. Blue Beetle the only... also is, made had some problems. I feel like. The only thing that saved Sony is that they then had Denzel opening to number one legitimately yeah, and, you know, doing Buffa Bobo. So, yes, Sony did pull a bonehead move. I don't think it's going to keep people from trying it again, but they're definitely in the headlines for uh, a bad reason with Gran Turismo. The only thing is that Equalizer kind of wiped that thing out of any sort of conversation. Yep. So, I mean... I think we did it, Brett. Of course, we were going to want to have you on again around the time of Exorcist Believer, and we could talk at that point, see how Saw did. We're a few weeks away from Saw. Just quick, quick temperature check. Uh, do, do you, I, I, you know, on our seasonal preview, our fall preview, I was big on Saw. Clayton and Jeff Bach were, were, they were mocking me for being Ugh. so into this they Saw will, trailer. They will rue the day because Thank that you. movie is going to be, the biggest in the franchise, at least opening weekend wise, I think. That, wow. Wait, the biggest ever in the franchise? Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think it has a high bar to clear for the opening weekend. I think it's like thirty two million dollars or something. I think I think it absolutely does that. Wow. I feel like wow. I feel like it. it I, this might be a case of me projecting my horror lifestyle onto the general audiences, but I think we were all let down by Spiral. And this is such a classic example of a horror fans being forgiving. And this is like the studio acknowledging that the last one sucked and doing a course correct because all the marketing is sorry, we didn't put Jigsaw in the last one. Jigsaw is in this one more than ever. It takes place during, I think it takes place between Saw's one and two or something. It does. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, if you like Saw, like remember the, it's such a nostalgic thing for me to think about going to a Saw movie every year on in October. And I'm just, I got that warm, fuzzy feeling back. I'm really excited about my time with Jigsaw. And I feel like just because of the general rule of horror at the box office, horror always wins, horror always overperforms, people don't exceed, you know, people don't see it coming. I feel like Saw will quietly make like, I don't know, 35, 40 opening weekend at least. The the high of the franchise, you're right. It is 33.6 million for Saw 3. Third one? Yeah. And then four and five both did 31, 30. So Mr. Consistency, though, that franchise. And then you saw the drop off. But I I agree. I think this movie is going to be a big nostalgia kick. And Clayton mocked me for this, but I do think that trailer. Is just better. I haven't seen it. I'm. I'm. You don't see trailers. I go la 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 in the movie theater. Well, this isn't a spoiler. I won't say anything. No, don't spoil anything. The man does not want to see trailers. It's okay. I've like read. No, no, no. It's not a. The only context of the trailer that Pat is high on is the fact that they actually paid for a legitimate, like pop song, the Hollies, the air that I breathe, 
to mm. play in the trailer. That's cool. And he thinks that's that cool. that is okay. So you guys are this. You're both on the Brent same says, page. That's cool. I'm f- I'm cool. pushing. I, I'm going to be pushing a rock up a hill whoa, talking whoa, whoa, to you guys about this. Is it slowed down in any way, or is yeah. it no? Just it's a regular. Scary. It's a scary. Well, that that song. No, it's that not a scary just, version. It's that an song original, just it's naturally has. It just is scary. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, so, it's very no. exciting. It's very exciting. So I, I'm excited. We'll uh, if you come back, Brett, early October, we'll talk. Uh, preview. Can we, do you want me to believer. bring a crow for him to eat on that episode? Yes. That I mean. Oh, that okay. Is a here's great okay. October okay. Done. Here, here, here's here's the thing. Here's the bet. Uh huh. If this if this movie opens to bigger, the highest, the the biggest yep. of all of yeah. them, I will eat crow. Real crow. A, copy, a DVD copy of uh, uh, Alex of the, crow? the Crow. Yeah. Well, I don't I'll know. Cut if I it can up do that. and like microwave it or something. I, don't I know. mean, this is getting to be the shoe guy. <laughs> if we could find oh, yeah, a we're gonna the guy who made you. it, made yeah. licorice shoes. I'm not doing that shit. No, but I will find if we could find a restaurant and in New York City, if you got enough money, you could get anything. If we could find a restaurant who will make us a crow, cook it. I'm not going to. Like get it off like the a, street and you're eating yeah. feathers in your mouth. I'm saying like a well prepared crow. Yes. 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 Uh, how about this? How about a, a olive a oil, crow, little a little olive oil baked in the How about a crow cake? How about a crow cake? A crow cake that has an element of grossness to it that is edible, but is you know, I'm not like not like it's not icing or I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> but what I'm saying, like it's a it's shaped like a crow, it's a cake, but there's something in it. That I'll be like, oh, oh, oh this is gross. Like, and I'll eat it on. Perhaps a, perhaps a crow? I mean, yeah, crow, crow meat. <laughs> Put crow meat in the cake. Whatever you guys want to do. That's on you. That's on you. But I will eat the crow cake with whatever the element is. I mean, this is a huge stunt. Well, now I just feel like sweets. he just weaseled his way into having some fucking free cake. This right. Exactly. Shit. No, no. You've got to eat There's going to be crow, crow meat in it. <laughs> You've got to eat a cooked crow. We'll find it. There's a, I mean, listen, the the restaurant business got hit hard post COVID. There's going to be a chef out there in Manhattan who's going to want to make us a a cooked crow. If anyone knows who that is, let us know. But I think we should also just start tweeting the hashtag Clayton eats crow. Yes. And see what happens. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet (laughs) and it won't happen. So I'm very, I'm very, very, uh, what would you eat? Would you then eat? Would you guys split the crow? No, 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 no. No, why would we well, do just that? just me then, I guess. So listen, it's going to be a huge radio stunt for October sweeps. So very, very yep. exciting. So of course, everyone uh, follow us on YouTube. We are YouTubers. So find the BO boys on YouTube and subscribe, like, and ring that bell. Follow us on social media at the BO boys pod on Twitter X and on TikTok. Want to be a senior intern, Christopher, Killing it with the vertical clips on social media at the BO Boys Pod. And uh, thank you, of course, to WannaBO Junior Intern Jack for uh, the research for the show. The internship program is going great right now. Give us five star Apple reviews, Apple Podcasts. Just go in there and say, love the show, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we love those five star reviews. And of course, the big thing is. The new flesh. So, Brett, what do you have going on either on the most recent episode or an upcoming episode? What's going on in New Flesh World? 
Uh, well, due to the slasher-like nature of the Equalizer 3, we did cover that last week on the New Flesh podcast. We will be covering the Nun 2 uh, this weekend. So that comes out on Monday. And uh, I did miss the Haunting in Venice screening tonight, but I'm hoping to see it in time for next week's podcast. So unless my baby arrives before then, that episode will be out. And if the baby arrives before then, who knows what happens to the podcast? We'll have to, you'll have to stay tuned and see what happens. Oh, wow. The baby might host the show. I don't know. We're going to see yeah, what they want to do. You got to start monetizing the baby as soon as possible. We're going to start monetizing that baby as soon as it's out. Yeah. We're trying. Yeah. Love it. So look forward to that on the new flesh. A baby will be monetized on air. That is, mm-hmm. that's, that's horror that's lifestyle. A, that's right a there. promise. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, guys, I think we've done it. Clayton, is there anything else to, to do, to say? I don't think so. I, I can't imagine anything you would say other than maybe until next time. We'll, we'll smell you, you at the, the box, box office. Office. Nailed it. Nailed it.